Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. Some North South. We're doing well. It's football season. Are we excited about that? Okay. All right. Hey, my name is Adam. I am the mission mobilization pastor. And uh, I don't know about you. I felt like we could have gave the invitation after that last song. That was incredible. It's powerful. I love singing that song. I love the reminder of that. And this morning as we're going another step forward into our series called Bless, I want to invite you to go ahead and grab your bulletin because we're going to be taking some action steps today. And you're going to see inside that bulletin, there's going to be an insert that says, uh, be a blessing. And so I want y'all to have that out today as we look at that. Uh, I'm going to give you some instructions then during the time of the, uh, the sermon, I want you to just have this in mind that this is moving us towards closure. Uh, if you're a guest here today, hey, welcome. This is uh, Geyer Springs First Baptist Church. You're in the venue service. And uh, what we want you to know is that over the last few weeks, uh, we've been talking about what it means to be a blessing to our neighbors, to our community. Um, because what we know is when you are in Christ, you are a new creation, you are a new person, and our our whole purpose is to follow Christ in his ways. And in doing so, if our modeling of his life in our own neighborhood uh, brings compassion and light to it, then, then it should change, right? It should be a blessing to those that were around. And so over the last five weeks, uh, we've been looking into that. And so uh, if you don't know, we actually have been following this model called BLESS. Uh, it's written by uh, Don, or I'm sorry, Dave and John Ferguson. And so we don't endorse this to get a kickback from this. This is just a simple tool for you. It's called Bless. You can pick it up and it walks you through uh, what we've been walking through over the last few weeks, which is the B for Bless is beginning with prayer. Uh, we believe as Christians that, that we have access to the Father through Jesus Christ. And so when we pray, like when we stop and just have communication with God, he hears it. And that's awesome. I mean, that's, that's incredible. Like the God of the universe listens to us and hears our prayer and then acts on it. And based out of his good and perfect will, we begin to see the world around us change in us and then also to his purposes. And so we begin with that prayer. The next thing is, is that as we know, it's very important for us to be listeners we can't come into uh, situations where we're know-it-alls or we have it all figured out. Now, God's word is perfect and it is true and it has authority. But if we only preach at people and we only speak to them in such a way that is bigoted or arrogant, then that creates obstacles. It creates walls. And so what we got to do is we got to model again what Jesus does. We have to stop and we have to listen. And so we spend some time looking at that and then thinking, how can we better be a, a blessing to our community just by simply opening an ear? The next week we talked about two things, eating and serving right? Creating a hospitality within our own lives that receives people to, uh, to open up gospel conversations, to open up uh, heartfelt conversations that is just simply being hospitable. And then hearing needs and seeing needs, opening our eyes and saying, I want to serve you because I have been served by Christ. And so today we're going to end our series in this. And this is the part that is probably the most important, sharing your story, sharing your story. And so that's why this is so important because we know that through sermon series and through times in church and through different uh, Sunday schools and lessons, we have 
all this information up here, but we have no accountability in it. And so what we want to do is the church and our pastors and our leadership here, we want, to, we want to partner with you in this. And so as we think about today and sharing the story, the hope that we have within us, the, the story of how we came to Christ and how it affects everything in us, we want you to think about in your own neighborhood or in your own sphere of influence or on your social platform, whatever that may be, who is it in your life that needs to hear the hope within you? How can you share that story with them? So during this time, if you feel like God is laying on your heart, one person, that's what we want you to do. We want you to write that person down. And then during the time of invitation today, we're gonna ask you to move and to place this. You're gonna see baskets across the front and then also in the back to place this in that basket. And then as you do that, here's our partnership with you. Each week, our team will get together and we're gonna pray over these names. We're gonna pray for opportunities for you to have gospel conversations with them. We're gonna pray for you to, to, uh, to think about your week in a different way, to, to God, for, to ordain divinely those, those times within your week that you can talk to them. And so as we do this, we know that what's gonna happen? People are gonna get a bit blessed. They're gonna be blessed by the hope that's within you. And so keep this close to you today as you take notes. And then as God leads you, if he puts somebody on your heart, know that at the time of invitation, we wanna see those uh, in the baskets. And so today, uh, if you're a note taker, and I encourage you today, this is a great note taking day. Uh, we're gonna talk about four different C's. C's. The first C that we're gonna talk about is the call. And so Kent and Amy Sanders came up here and we, we read the text out of Romans chapter 10. There's two texts that we're gonna be in today and I want you to kind of have those uh, bookmarked. Uh, the first text is Romans chapter 10. So find your way to Romans chapter 10. And then the story, the case that we're going to look at today is going to come out of Mark chapter 5. So the first one that we're going to look at is the call. The call. And in Romans chapter 10, it says this starting in verse 8. The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. And, and Paul is talking about the gospel word. We're talking about the hope that comes from Jesus. Verse nine says this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Now I want to say this last verse all together, verse 13, it should be on the screen. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. One more time together. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you believe that? Of course we believe that. We've, we've heard about this, and in fact, if you've gone through any kind of evangelism training, you, knows the, you know these verses, right? If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, Jesus will save you. That is foundational, and we believe that through and through. For God can save any person, regardless of their status, regardless of their history, regardless of their mistakes, God can save through Christ if they confess and believe in their heart. And we 
believe that. And so when it comes to our evangelism training, we, we, like, we find ourselves here. We're so about this. And so we're called to do this. But what do the following verses say? Verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And so as we see here, this is the biggest thing that we can take from this is that we are called out. If you are in Christ, if you are a new creation, if Jesus has taken your soul from death to life and you are in him, then you are called out. And our calling is something special. In fact, if we look at the Great Commission, he says that, hey, you're going to go to all the nations, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded them and baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, this is a commission. Jesus himself says, I'm going with you. And this is the greatest call that we have. And so as we see this, we understand that there's only one way to salvation for Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. And so up here, cognitively, we're like, yes, we got that. But here's the concern. And this is the next section that we're going to talk about. Too many times we place so much emphasis on this setting right here, the worship setting. Like every Sunday when we come into to this time and this place, we think this is the only place that people can hear the gospel. But the truth of the matter is, is that that's concerning because the ugly truth is, and that research came out of 2018 of a poll that was from Lifeway, says that only three in 10 unchurched Americans say that their, their Christian friend has ever told them about Jesus. It's 29% out of this survey. That means that they've never had a friend tell them about the hope that they have within them. And then it goes on, it says, only 33% of them had ever had the opportunity of hearing what they're actually doing in the church, like this service here. And so the call is there and we all would say, yes, we believe that faith comes from hearing and hearing of the word. And we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. But the concern here is very real that many of us inside the church setting are not doing two things. We're not telling our friends or unchurched friends about Jesus. And secondly, they don't have a clue what you're doing in here. And so that's a concern. And so we, we just sat down, me and Jason, as we thought about this text this morning, we asked the question, hey, why don't we share our stories? What is it about us that, that gets us a little too concerned and, and, and really like a little hesitant? Why don't we ever share our stories and so I'm not pointing the finger at you today. I'm actually pointing the finger at myself. This is a real concern for me as well. Like as a pastor, I struggle with this and, and I have the hope within me and I know how important it is to share my faith. But something about me is hesitant in that. Yourself included, I'm, I'm sure of it because the statistics don't lie here. So what are these concerns that we usually have? And, and, and I want to note something here. 
usually these concerns or either the hesitation that you have, it's, it's not from you. It's mostly from the enemy. It's mostly from your insecurities. It's, it's coming straight from the flesh because we know that scripture says that the spirit of God didn't give us a power or a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind and self-control. So we know that from God, we have all things that, that, are, that are purposeful, that are, that are stirring up courage, that are instigating us to, to look in, in our neighborhoods and look into our relationships for opportunities to share. But the flesh side of us always comes back and says, well, do you really want to share at this time? So what are some of those things that keep us from sharing? The first one that we wrote down is, hey, I don't have what it takes. I don't have all the answers. I didn't go to seminary. I never read that article. I just don't have what it takes. I haven't been a Christian that long. Or here's the one that really kind of gets us, especially if you're kind of leaning back into the church to be the one that, that evangelizes for you. Um, I feel like somebody else can do this better than I can. And so I won't share my story. In fact, I'll take you uh, to Dave Huey, and I'll just put you in his office, and y'all have that conversation because it's a lot easier. I don't, I don't have what it takes. I never went to seminary, and uh, and I just, I just want to avoid this situation. Another situation is, uh, hey, I don't want to impose my beliefs. I don't want to trigger somebody else. I want to be tolerant, if you will, of who they are and, and what they believe. And so instead of getting into that, because that could get messy, that can get really kind of ranty, and especially if it hits the social media, oh, goodness, oh, Lord, I don't want to even go there. I don't want to go uh, into the point where my post is like viral and all these people are coming. Like, I don't want to go there. This is just a little safer if I keep my mouth shut, right? How about this one? I feel awkward. Or they may be awkward. And that right there is kind of like messy. And this is the whole reason we put up our privacy fences. We, we want to stay away from others or outsiders because they may be a little weird. We don't know their intentions. We don't know who they are. And so it's better to be guarded. And it's better for us to just stay with the people that we know and the circumstances that we're familiar and comfortable with. And so I don't, I don't want to share this one hit me. This is one of my confessions today. Uh, I don't like interruptions. You're that person too. Like I set my schedule and I've got too much to do. And so seeing a opportunity that could take me away from my schedule or my agenda, it really kind of like, ah, I don't want to go there. Or I just like me time. Like this is my time. Like I get off work and I go home and it's my time. And so I want to be selfish about my time. And so it takes too much work to think about my neighbor and what they have and eating with them and serving them. And then I know that that's going to lead to a conversation. And that means that our relationship is going to go a little bit deeper. And do I really want that? I'm cool with where I'm at. Don't interrupt my life. Can we just be honest, right? That's, that's a lot of us. And the last thing is, is I don't think my story matters. I don't want to share my story because it's really not that great. Uh, it's just the ordinary. I'm just a church kid. I just grew up and, you know, I made a decision when I was five or six. And like, I just, it doesn't really matter that much. And how's it going to be impactful in their life? Like, why should I share that? And so all of these concerns are, are there, but are they really valid? 
Like when we go back to the call, when we think about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords calling us up into action and we read the text and we know that salvation comes from Jesus and Jesus alone and we think on that and we dwell on that and then we look at our concerns, are they really valid? Well, no, we, we know that. And so we want to look at a text today that addresses the concern, that gives us reason for us to say, okay, I understand that my excuse is not valid, but what can stir my faith up? What, what can cause me to go, you know what? I'm with this. Like, Jesus, you're calling me. I'm there. I'm like Isaiah. Wherever you go, I'll, I'll go. Like, send me. And I want that for my life. And personally, I want that for my family. I want that for our church. I want us to look at situations, not with hesitation, not with concern, but look at it with like commitment and say, man, we're going in. And Jesus is with us. And we're going to be a blessing to the community around us. And we're going all in on this because we want to see the world change the way that God wants to see the world change. And so Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. We're going to look at this case. And so uh, I want you to be a note taker today because it's like, you know, the second week of school now or the third week of school. And so we're all kind of in this process of learning and growing. But, but I, want, I want you to interact with the text for, for two different reasons. One for in here, because we know that when we're in here, we're note taking, we're kind of a little more in tune with the text. But the secondly, we know that when you get back in your car and perhaps you're, you're a family person today, you want to have something to talk about. This is a great principle to have every time that you're in here. And, and so I'm going to give you four questions to consider the case today, the scripture that we're going to look at that stirs our faith, that stirs our affection for the Lord, that causes us to want to share our story. Here's the four questions I want you to have as we look at Mark chapter 5 today. The first one is, hey, what do you like about the text? What do you like about the text? So you get back in the car today and you're, you know, you're sitting with your uh, preteen and they're right next to you today and you ask them in the car, hey, what did you like about the text? It's a little bit different than, hey, how'd you feel about the sermon today? I was good, <laughs> right? You can't have a response like that to that. What do you like about the text? Second thing is, what do you have a hard time accepting? We have a hard time accepting. Third question, what does this text teach you about Jesus? What does it teach you about Jesus? We're in another text if we're kind of going into this next series through Genesis. What does this teach us about God? Last question. What does this text teach us about people? And so as we're interacting with the text today, as we're in Mark chapter five, man, it's gonna wrestle with these things and then bring them back out this afternoon or in your, in your lunch time or at your dinner time or before prayer time with your kids. Like, hey, bring this back up. What do we learn about Jesus today? All right, let's look at the text together. Mark chapter five. If you've never heard this account, this, this text before, get ready. It is one of the most exciting ones and, and it's, gonna, it's gonna challenge you a little bit, but it's so, so good. Mark chapter five, verse one. It says, they came to the other side of the sea. That's they, Jesus and the disciples, right? To the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, Immediately, there was a man who met him. Out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. 
for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles into pieces. No one who had the strength to subdue him in night and day among the tombs and in the mountains, he's always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he fell down before him and crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the, high, the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter him. So he gave them permission and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd numbering about 2000 rushed down the steep bank and into the sea and drowned into the sea. The herdsmen fled and told, into the, and told it into the city and into the country. And the people came to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and they saw the demon possessed man, the one that had the legion sitting there clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And all those who had seen it described it to them what had happened. Verse 17, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from the region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with the demons begged that he might go with him. And he did not permit him and said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and everyone was marveled. What a fantastic, fascinating text. As we go back and we start to work our way through this, you can see that there's, there's this thing that's happening. Jesus is with his disciples. They pull up to the east side of uh, the Sea of Galilee and they're getting out and kind of it's this rural area within the, uh, the, the framework of 10 different cities that are just around and it's a Gentile area and they get off the boat and immediately they're approached by a man. But not just any man, a man that has an unclean spirit. Now, if you are a Jew and you're reading this, right? If, you, if you're like Jesus who grew up Jewish and, and he's around this tradition of, of, of all the, the beliefs and the systems that are within the Jewish religion, this is a shocking person to interact with. In fact, if you're a Jew reading this, you would say this is probably the worst person that could probably exist on the planet. Why do I say that? Well, if you know this, uh, and if you've read the Pentateuch, you, you understand that in the first five books of the Bible, there's a lot of talk about what it means to be clean and unclean. And against this man, there are four things that make him totally unclean meaning that he could not be in the presence of anybody that was Jewish or they would become unclean themselves. And so it was, it was really important for, for this man to be outside and, a, and away from everybody. The first thing is, is that one, he has an unclean spirit. Secondly, he dwells among Gentiles. Thirdly, this man is living around pigs. 
And pigs are not something that, that you could touch. They're considered unclean as well. And so as this man is in this, uh, this place, he's also living among tombs. And death was something that could not be touched. It was unclean. And so this man is literally living among the dead every single day. And so this man is, is so out there, so isolated, so alone. And, and what, do we, what else do we know about this man? He is tormented night and day by the, the legion of demons that are possessed within him. And as you think about that, this could be something that's really foreign to you could be like, oh man, that's, that's crazy. I've, I've never heard about demon possession. You know, Hollywood's got their, their take on it, but I'm not really sure about that. I don't know if it's right. By the way, it's not right. It's one of those things as you read this, you're like, man, I, I'm so like curious about this, but at the same time, man, I have compassion for this guy because I know a little bit about what he, he experiences. I mean, this is, this is awful. He's alone. He's tormented. He's not accepted. Have you ever felt like that? Of course you have. In fact, we see that the, the end result of all of our sin, it always takes us a little bit further where we want to go. And we always find ourselves a little bit isolated and ashamed and, and in guilt. And, and this man, the only difference is that there's a legion of possession that's going on. He's tormented and it's constant. And even to the point of where he finds himself alone and taking stones, he begins to just cut himself and cry out, what hope does this man have at all? Jesus steps off the boat. Immediately this man runs to Jesus. And it's that here we have to kind of struggle with the text because we really don't know like who's talking here. Is it the man or is it the possession? Is it the legion of demons within him responding? And if you look at the other text that's in um, Matthew and it's also in Luke, we can, we can see that there's, there's a little bit of um, kind of a tie-in to one of the, the, the reasons we think that the demon is really the one talking here. And in Matthew, you see that, that he also says this one tagline, hey, the time has not come for us Meaning that Jesus, there is a, there's a time that we know that when you're going to come back and you're going to set things all right and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and we're going to be bound forever and we're going to be destroyed forever. But that time's not yet. And so as this man runs up to Jesus, we can infer that, that this is under the control of the, the demon possession. And so as we're looking at this, we look at Jesus and, and if you're thinking about, hey, what does this tell us about Jesus? This response to Jesus is incredible. Like Jesus responds to this situation with power and with authority. He's not scared. And like many, I'm sure, in the neighborhood or the, the surrounding cities that didn't want to have any part, that tried to chain him up and kind of keep him away, he's not running from the situation. In fact, he's responding with authority. And what he says is incredible. He asked, hey, what's your name? And the response is legion for we're many. And you know what happens right after that? There's this negotiation. The demons, they don't try to like flex against Jesus. They say, hey, let's negotiate. We see that you're the son of the most high God. We know that you have power. We know that you have authority. Whatever you say is gonna happen. So we're gonna yield to that. Can we negotiate? Can we just kind of talk about this? 
hey, there's some pigs around here. Why don't you cast us into them? Jesus says, okay, the time has not yet come for y'all that are going to go all the way to the pit of hell and going to be ultimately destroyed. That time's not yet. I'm going to have some mercy. I'm going to have some compassion right now. To the pigs they go. So what happens? Then the pigs, they, they run off the cliff and then there's this other, other section where we're learning more about people. What, what do the people do? Well, they're like, holy smokes, like, what just happened? So they run, the shepherds, like they, they run back or, or what, what do you call a person that watches pigs? I guess that's a shepherd, it's the same terminology. It's supposed to call them shepherds, right? They, they run off and they go back to the cities and they're like, hey, this just happened. And so everybody comes back out here and then this is really cool. They see a man that they remember that is demon-possessed, that is wretched, that's in his own sin and in his own, like, just torture, completely free, like, clothed, in his right mind, the text says, and he's with Jesus. And you know what their response was? They're afraid. Hey, this just disrupted the status quo a little bit, and I'm not sure about this. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really, you know, capable of understanding what happened. Instead of me being curious and wanting to know more about who this son of the most high God is, hey, you got to go. Because you just kind of affected our region and our culture, and, and we took maybe even a little like a monetary dive here, and so you've got to go. We don't need this. We don't want this. What does this tell us about people? How we're skeptic, how we're more concerned about us, but you know what they weren't concerned about? The man that was sitting next to Jesus. This man, he's completely healed. I love how Galatians chapter five talks about how it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. It says this, for freedom in Christ has set us free. We stand firm, therefore, and we do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. This man is completely free. And so many times we look at the situation, we say, well, we're not that man. Maybe we struggle with being disrupted with the status quo. Maybe we're like a, a city person. When I was reading this text over the last week, I'm like, God, I'm the man. Like without you, Christ, I am so subjected to the the evil forces, to the enemy that's prowling around like a lion and he's seeking to devour me. Like in my flesh, Jesus, I'm nothing. And I thought about how even Galatians 5 would go on and it talks about all the things that we see that happens in the flesh. And it says this, now the works of the flesh in verse 19 are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And I'm like, God, my flesh is there. I have no hope except in you because when I want to do right, when I want to follow you, when I am yours, like the flesh wars against me and this poor soul, he had given so far into his flesh that he had opened up his heart and his soul that even to the point of where legions of, of demons would just possess it and he had no hope. And I'm like, Jesus, he's not anyone else but me. For we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We all need saving. We all 
are wretched. We all are far from God and without him, there is no hope. But the greatest thing that we see in this text is that Jesus is not so concerned about his agenda. He moves past this man. He confronts this man and you know what he does? He offers him mercy. And today, I don't know your story. I don't, I don't know your background, but if you're in here today and you look at Galatians chapter five and you say, yes, that's me. Man, I'm so impure. I'm so caught up in sensuality. Like I'm so addicted to X, Y, or Z. I'm so angry all the time. Like I just can't get over it. I don't have peace about my life at all. And in fact, if I'm just gonna be honest with you, Adam, man, I'm lost. I feel like I'm possessed by something that is just deeper and darker to me and I can't get away from it. Here's the hope today. Jesus doesn't run away from your situation. He doesn't avoid your situation. He confronts it and he offers you hope and mercy. And today, if you are here and you're like, I need Jesus, the response is, he wants you. The ugliness, the corruption, the deep, dark parts of your life, instead of holding back those, instead of hiding those, bring those to Jesus. As I thought about the text, I, I was just so moved because with hope, with Jesus, everything changes. In fact, the text goes on in Galatians chapter five. It says that what Jesus does give you through the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against these things. There's no law. Nothing can bind you anymore. Nothing can shackle you anymore. Nothing can enslave you anymore. Nothing can possess you anymore except the love of God that comes from his spirit. There's hope. There's hope. And so we see this in the text and we see this man is sitting next to Jesus. He's brand new. He's with Christ. He's in his right mind and he's right there sitting next to Jesus. Remember, a Jew next to a Gentile who's been around pigs, who's been living in tombs. And guess what? Jesus sitting next to him. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. But it leads us to understand where this stirs our faith because the response that Jesus has to this man is incredible. This is this man's story and, and what he's gonna do with his story is gonna matter a lot for the purposes of God. But what happens with his story? Look, at, look again back at verse 19. This is the commitment. Verse 19 says this, Jesus did not permit him to get on the boat. Does it seem harsh? Like, hey, I can't be one of the, the guys, the disciples on the boat. Like, you're, you're going this way. No. Jesus has a plan. He says this, go home. Like, not back to the tomb. Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim the Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him. And everyone was marveled. Again, let's look at what Jesus didn't say. Jesus didn't go back and say, hey, I want you to go back to your tomb. 
Um, you've probably have set up shop there for a while. It's probably familiar with you. Why don't you just go back? No, no, no. He says, go back home. Go back to your friends. Go back to your family. He doesn't say go to seminary. Hey, you've been saved. So now it's time for you to go get trained. Now it's time for you to go learn a little bit more about this commentary, about this Bible study. And then, you know, once, you, once you're good, once you're ready, once you're all settled in, go and tell your family. Go and tell your friends. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, keep quiet about this. Hey, if you talk about this, your story's a little awkward. It may make other people feel a little weird. Don't, don't do that. Like, just kind of keep it under wraps. It's good for you. You're free now. You have salvation. Just take it. No, he didn't say that. What does, he say? what does he say? He says this, tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. That's how we share our story. That's how we get to the point of where our faith comes alive. It's not about you. God's story that's within you has your circumstances, it has your, your, your sins, and it has the things that you have made in your life, your choices. But the beautiful thing about your story is it's not about you, it's about God. God is the one that does the work. And so here's how you tell your story. Telling your story has three components. The first component is, is that you're gonna tell your story of who you were before Jesus. The second part of your story is how you met Jesus. And the last part of your story is what your life looks like with Jesus. What's the common thread through this? It's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I love the, the, the account in the New Testament that talks about the blind man who's been healed by Jesus and, and he's, he's being like approached by all these people and they're asking him, hey, what happened? Who, who did this or what's going on? And he's like, I don't know, but here's what I do know. I once was blind, but now I see because of this man called Jesus. That's the testimony. You see, we don't need to place the pressure on all of the details of our story. What we do need to remember is, is our story is only made complete and finds its hope in Jesus. And so we preach Jesus and only Jesus. Where it finds its weight is they know you. People understand what it means to be a person because they're a person. And so when they see you and they understand the hope that you have within you is different and that your life is different because you've been with Jesus, then they put two and two together. They say, that's, that's only God. And so as we think about this, we then go, okay, if I know how to share it, who do I need to share it with? And this is really important for us to know as well. You share your story with four different groups. Your family. Your family. Who knows you better than your family? Nobody. Right? They're, they're the people that know how much of a sinner you are because they're with you every single day. And so you, you preach the gospel, you share the hope that's within you because no better opportunity will you have than with your family. The next slot is your friends. Share it with your friends. Like we talk so much about things that really don't matter with our friends, but the things that really do matter that carry the weight of eternity you're right. Like, let's just think about this. What lasts for all of eternity? God, that's God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit, his word, right? That's the Bible. And then the souls of men, 
Those three things are the things that are eternal. It will last eternity. And so when we think about things that, that last for all of eternity, what about our conversations that are in those three things? Hey, let's talk about God. He's eternal. Hey, let's talk about his word. That's eternal. Hey, let's, let's talk about where our souls are at corresponding to those first two. Those things have eternal value, but it's so much easier sometimes just to talk about the game or what's for lunch or those things. But work those things into your life where you have opportunities to talk about things that are eternal value. The next thing is your, your neighbor. Jesus says, you know, your neighbor is everybody. It's the people that you come encounter with that may not have a relationship with you yet, but they're your neighbor. They've been created by God for the purposes of God. And the one thing that may keep them away from God is the one thing that you know in your life brings salvation, and that's Jesus. And so we think about opportunities to share with our neighbor. And, and listen, this is difficult. This is hard because it, it kind of brings out those, those concerns that we have. But we got to put those aside because what we know is true is that Jesus, only Jesus, is the way, the truth, and the life. And so we bring that out in front of them and we share that with our neighbors. The last one, it may seem funny, but share it with yourself. You share the gospel and your story with yourself. If you're in here today and you feel like your relationship with the Lord is in a rut, chances are you have forgotten that you are the man that has been possessed or has been oppressed by spiritual forces. The enemy is against you and he, he's coming for you and you've forgotten that God in his great mercy has set you free from that and has given you the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the gentleness, and the self-control. He's given you those things through the spirit and you've just become apathetic and numb and you've forgotten. Preach the gospel to yourself. Share that good news with yourself. David would say this, return to me the joy of my salvation so that I then know how to bring those things up to the Lord and talk to him and revive my soul that, that I not only remember me, but I also remember my neighbor. I remember my friends and I remember my family. Preach the gospel to yourself. Today, when we remember this, it calls us up to commit to this. You see, it's not, a, it's not enough just to understand. Jesus don't want you to simply know. He wants you to join the mission. He wants you to commit to the commission. And in that, he wants your life to bring more life to those that are around you. And as we close out this series today, the simple question is, is how are you going forward with it? Like, how are you going to use your story? How are you going to use the story of Christ within you? And if you're here today and Christ is not a part of your story, your response today is to Jesus. Confess, believe, Jesus will save you. And if you're in here today and you have that, you have that new identity in Christ, think of your neighbors, think of your family, think of your friends, and think of yourself and then begin to share the good news of the gospel.